Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice of chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label. And for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. Before we get to the show, I wanted to acknowledge that this week is going to be a little different. It's Pizza Week, and we will be dropping episodes with a little more frequency in the feed. I'm here with producer Shalia Harris to talk about Pizza Week. So let me ask you, are you a pizza fan? I am a massive pizza fan. What do you like about pizza? So for whatever reason, a pizza parlor has always been the third space in my life. And I'm not really sure why that is. I don't know if it's something about like the universality of pizza, but even growing up, like there was like this brick oven place around the corner from my parents. And like, that's where, you know, we went every Saturday night or if someone was in town, we went there or like they threw my like high school graduation party. It was just like where we were if we weren't at home. And I even think about like there was this one summer where Roberta's had a brick oven on the boardwalk. I was like just about out of college, uh, but still had a lot of free time with friends. And like I went there like probably three, four times a week and just had a pizza on the beach for whatever reason. Like it's just always a place that's felt like home. Yeah. You know, I can't agree more. You know, this is a great week conversations, get into the X's and O's of pizza, the different styles. We're going to talk to some really, really cool people, really big names in pizza. But really, when it comes down to it, these operators are talking about the community that they've built in their pizza restaurants. That's really one of the things that they really pride themselves on. You know, pizza arrives in multitudes, and we'll be featuring interviews with pizza professionals from all over the country who cook in many different styles. Up first is an interview with Dan Richer, the owner of Razza in Jersey City, New Jersey. It's such a cool place. I really am inspired by Dan's work. And I hope you all dig into Pizza Week on This Is Taste. Pizza is my platform for discovering the world. It's so interesting how many different subjects from history and society, culture, all of the sciences, from chemistry to biology, agriculture, thermodynamics, you have to understand the very basics in order to cook pizza properly. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Dan Richard is the owner behind Razza in New Jersey City, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, New York Times critic Pete Wells once called Razza the best New York City pizza not in New York. And the 2017 assessment brought a swell of pizza freaks across the river to sample Richard's pie. In this interview, we talk about the review that changed everything, and we dig into how Richard describes his pizza, his obsession with bread, and his great cookbook, The Joy of Pizza, Everything You Need to Know. We loved having Dan in the studio to kick off Pizza Week. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Dan Richer, welcome to This is Taste. Thanks for having me. Exciting to have you here to talk pizza. Just you're you're a real local legend. Thank you. How do you feel about that when you when you when I say that? I think I'm I'm just me. I know. I know, but you know, Pete Wells is writing this in 2017. We'll get to get to that article. Uh, is New York 
New York's best pizza in New Jersey, that question mark. Well, he answers it with three stars. That happened in 2017. We'll get there eventually, your journey at Ratsa and, and, and what you're doing there. But I want to first just get into some pizza talk. Um, you grew up in Jersey. Uh, you work in Jersey. But I, when I say NYC pizza, what is NYC pizza? It's definitely the region of New York. So what to you is this regional pizza that I think has has, has a defined role in our lives, but also is pretty defined? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's really important to define. Are we talking about pizza in New York or New York style pizza? Oh, right. Because so, they're very different things. Right. Let's Tell me, let's split, let's split it up. Do it. Well, New York's a city. Yeah. And there's so many different styles of pizza. You can get Chicago style pizza tavern or deep dish at yeah. a place like Emmett's, Emmett's yeah. and get arguably better Neapolitan pizza in New York City at Una Pizza Napolitana than you can in Naples. Yeah. Yeah. The Neo Neo scene, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, you know, and and every style possible is in is within New York City. So that's not necessarily New York style pizza. Yeah. Yeah. New York style pizza is its own thing. What is it? Uh, you know, it's a street food. It's a 18 to 24 inch large pie baked at lower temperatures than Neapolitan style pizza, originally in a coal fired oven because that's what was here. Yeah. Lombardi's comes to mind. Right. Exactly. And then, um, and then eventually when gas ovens started to proliferate in the, in the forties and fifties, then the temperature got a little lower. The pizza changed a bit, um, and now there's electric ovens. There's there's just so much, so much there. Um, so it's kind of hard to compare a coal oven New York style pizza to one produced in an electric, uh, in a, like in a, a Baker's Pride, like exactly. a ba- like a bread oven. When you get to like, I mean, like those coal ovens are are getting up past nine hundred, right? Uh, you know where the where the coal is yeah. for sure, but yeah. not where the baking chamber is. Yeah. Where, where, what are we looking at there? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't even cross your mind. But yeah, the Baker's Prides, the ones that we know when you go to the slice, quote unquote, slice joint, those are the ones that in the 50s were proliferated and, and created this lower temperature pizza. When you say it kind of changed, what, did, what do you mean? I think you, you... I think the characteristics of the pizza changed. Yeah. So it's hard to compare New York style pizza in a coal oven versus yeah. one in a, in a gas oven. Yeah. Uh, but they're all... Big pies, usually cut in eight slices. You got low moisture mozzarella cheese, which is a little drier than fresh mozzarella. And cheese usually covers a decent portion of it, 80 to 90% of it. Yeah. Um, And it's crispy. It's crispy. And it seems that in parts of the country, like the Midwest, where fast food pizza was invented, Little Caesars and Domino's, paraphrase, of course, they were taking some notes from this style of bread oven New York City pizza, right? I'm sure they were. Yeah. But then mass producing it. But doing it in like the McDonald's way, yeah. But I mean, I got to shout Little Caesars. Like, have you ever had Little Caesars? I have once. <laughs> once You're one and done with Little Caesars. Yeah. I actually had a friend who, uh, you know, growing up, all of his birthday parties were always Little Caesars pizzas. And I just remember being grossed out about it. Oh, I mean, even as a child. Even as, oh, wow. Yeah. You, you had discerning taste. Well, those were like my like birthday, birthday, fifth grade and eighth grade probably was Little Caesars parties. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, in the west side of Michigan. So I uh, I definitely had plenty of Little Caesars. Domino's was not really quite our pizza. We had Hungry Howie's, which is a pretty good Midwestern chain. 
Um, but yeah, I think we uh, Midwest invented the fast food pizza in some ways. But then you grew up in Jersey, so tell me about p- in Matawan with one T, not two. <laughs> We, funny enough, I went to a school called Matawan with two T's. You went to the one with one T. Yes. Um, what was it like for you? You know, so we were in the shadows of New York City. Um, a lot of people from New York, my my parents included, moved from New York to New Jersey to raise a family. And with that came a ton of pizza. You know, there's 10 pizzerias in every single town. Uh, and you'll you kind of your family has a favorite that your is your go to spot, but depending on where you are, like I used to run errands with my mom as a child, and we knew the best pizza place in each of the towns surrounding our town. And you you went to them like not just Friday nights, but many nights. Uh, many nights. So pizza <laughs> night was Tuesday night and Friday night in my house. Okay. Um, and then of course the random slice here and there throughout the week it's so affordable and accessible that you know where can you feed your kids for i mean back then a slice was a dollar yeah now it's a little bit more but still for under ten dollars you can feed your family yeah not just your family but like your friends your office mates you know it's the best catering option for many people it's fucking delicious (laughs) for sure it's, it's, it's hard not to like. It's hard not to like. I'd like to get into your journey. Uh, you opened your first pizzeria at 26. Yeah. Um, you hustled it into existence. I read in your book, which is great, The Joy of Pizza. Tremendous book. We'll get into that too. What was that like hustling into existence? Um, what was the shop like, your first pizzeria at 26? So I bought an existing pizzeria that was failing, but it had been in existence since 1990 or so. Um and it just had a really bad pizza recipe, but it had two wood-fired ovens. Oh, wow. It's so, wood. Cool. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. In 1990? In 1990. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wood. They've been around yeah. for, you know, for a very long time in the United States, but they didn't really get very popular until probably early early to mid-2000s. Okay. Okay. So what's it like, like, working as a 26-year-old? Did you take on debt to open this place? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's that like? Yeah. So I maxed out three credit cards and I borrowed small sums of money from probably 10 or 11 different people, paid them back with interest over five or six years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I bought a pizzeria. It was crazy. And and ultimately that pizzeria uh, did well? Did it succeed? Yeah. 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 I was in a great suburban town. The yeah. community really wanted me to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I didn't want to let them down and I didn't want to let a- any of my investors down. Yeah, there's got to be some level of pride there when you're thinking about opening a, a place and taking a little bit of debt. You you don't want to let people down. Yeah. Yeah. What was the most popular item there? Uh, margarita pizza. Yeah, just margarita. Um, you end up opening Rots and we'll get to that, but I would like to first get into the new Neapolitan movement that happened in New York. Like I would say the aughts, like the mid aughts. Places like Roberta's kind of, you know, out in Bushwick pioneered it, but there's places like Una Pizza Napolitano, certainly um, making one of the best pies um, in New York at the time. Um, so what was going through your head as somebody who really understood pizza, who loved Italy when they, when this new Neo moment was going th- going down? Yeah, I, um, I ate at all of those places and many, many more, especially at that time when I was in my early 20s, I wanted to eat every pizza that I could possibly mm-hmm. fit in my mouth. Yeah. Um, so I'd come to Manhattan and go to six pizzerias 
in a, in a day, um, constantly. And I never liked Neapolitan pizza until I had Anthony Mangieri's yeah. at Una Pizza in Apolidana. Mm-hmm. That for me was life-changing because there was a, an aroma to, to his crust that I never experienced ever. The one on 12th Street? Yeah. Yeah, the original East Village location. Yeah. Yeah, I started going there in like, I don't know, maybe 06 or 07 mm-hmm. um, until he closed and then moved to San Francisco. Yeah. And then I would go visit him there. Yeah. He's also from uh, Monmouth County, where I, I know where I grew up. And yeah, he had the spot out in uh, in Highlands, in like yes. Highlands. Yeah, I'm so sad that he closed because it's right by my house. Yeah, right. Yeah, you live you live out there too. Now, like, what? So you're you're saying that you liked Anthony's pies, but the, many of the pies weren't hitting it for you. Yeah, I did not like the texture. Interesting. That soft, more pliable. Yeah. Um, sometimes the cheese wasn't even fully melted. Yeah. Um, all those black leopard spots yeah. but with dough that was not fully cooked and, it, and also didn't have development in flavor too no flavor development yeah it was like a bomb of like just dough it, yeah yeah i mean it tasted burned pretty much yeah um, yeah so i didn't i didn't really like it and i knew i didn't i didn't grow up in naples yeah right i i have no ties to neapolitan style pizza and it's not something that i wanted to put out into the world yeah yeah, I mean, and I agree with you. Sometimes, like, when it wasn't melted fully, it wasn't working that well. Yeah. Um, there was a real, like, cooking art, not just, like, the dough and, like, the two- to three-day dough process, but the cooking of it wasn't being done fully. Exactly. We're building this, and I think listener might be understanding what we're trying to do here is, uh, you know, I'm trying to build towards what you do at Ratza, which is hard to define. If you're, like, taking this context of, like, New York City – and Jersey, and like the, the the traditional 1950s bread oven style pizzas, and then this new Neapolitan moment, which we all were feeling in the mid aughts. I mean, Keste as well comes to mind. There's so many of these new neo spots, um, some good, some not. Then you have kind of land on your own style, yes. Which again, I'm just gonna have to say it. In September 2017, headline appeared in the New York Times is New York's best pizza in New Jersey. Um. So let me first ask you, we'll just start with the review, because this is like the review. And I think to this day, probably outside of the Guy Fieri review, is one of the most famous Pete Wells reviews. Did you know he was going to write this about your pie? No. <laughs> no, not at all. It was incredible. I mean, I he, he fact checks, so yeah. he called me. Uh, so I knew he was writing something. Originally, I thought he was going to be writing something about Jersey City food in general. Um, I couldn't imagine him reviewing a pizza place outside of New York. Like, what what would be the point? But when I read the review, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. So so the first time you had a sense that what was happening was you read that headline and you see maybe the stars? Is it was like online? It was online. Yeah. I was at the restaurant making dough and I read it and it was it was a surreal moment for sure. Yeah. Did your phone start ringing? It did. Yeah. yeah. I'm impressed, I'm sure, we're calling you. Uh, yeah. But customers, they were like, whoa. Yeah, all friends and family. It was like my wedding day. Amazing. So let's get to the the actual style that you're doing there, because I think that's what's important. It's like Pete hit this in his review, but I like to get your sense of it's not a, a traditional pizza. I think it's got its own unique, you know, Dan Richard style to it. For sure. Yeah. What's so fun? when when I kept being disappointed by Neapolitan pizzas... I just, I, I didn't know where to start. So I came up with a list of like seven different characteristics about 
the pizza that these other ones weren't hitting that I wanted to. Um, and it was number one, structural integrity. Hmm. I wanted to be able to pick it up with my hands and have it be crispy. Yeah. None of that sagging stuff. Yeah. No. I wanted deep caramelization um, on the rim of the crust, also on the on the underside of the crust. I wanted the cheese to be fully melted, and I didn't want the sauce overly reduced. Mm. So fresher yeah. sauce in some Just ways. Just a, a brighter sauce brighter. that had the right moisture content. Better word, yeah, brighter sauce. Yeah. I, I hate when pizza has that area where the tomato is exposed to the heat of the oven and it gets real thick and pasty and acidic. It's literally tomato paste. Like it's, when you get open exactly. that can, you're like, this is like that crappy slice. Exactly. <laughs> I, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You reject that. Yeah. Um, so this list of seven characteristics was kind of like my my framework. And then I started to study bread making and cheese making and talking to tomato canners and farmers and everybody, everybody mm -hmm. surrounding the products that I was using. Uh, and I did the work, I did the research and kind of reverse engineered my characteristics by learning the science and practicing Neat. every single day. Uh, so you start with dough, like you, you become a bread baker, right? I, so I actually, that's the hard part. <laughs> I started with the tomato sauce and the cheese and all the toppings. They're, they're, it's low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I guess it's like the easiest stuff. Exactly. Part, right? I mean, tomato sauce for pizza is just really good tomatoes, and then you do nothing to them. Are you thinking Stanislav? Is that what you're going for? Like those California tomatoes? Are you doing it? Like what's, so you... we do tomato tastings at the restaurant nice. every year um, where we'll talk to our distributors and have them drop off a sample or two of the best tomatoes that they have. We line all these up, 12 or 13 of them, and then we do a double blind taste test. Mm. And we taste based on individual characteristics. So the characteristics that make up a tomato are the color, positive flavor attributes, negative flavor attributes, sweetness, acidity, acidity, texture, and whether there's a large percentage of seeds and skins in the, yeah. in the tomatoes. Those are the characteristics that I look for. Yeah. When I'm tasting. So again, I came up with a list of characteristics about tomatoes in order to decide on the tomato that we were going to use. And so you have your staff do a double blind. And so are you then deciding um, at a certain point in the year when what you're going to buy? Yeah. Yeah. We do it every winter. Every winter. Yeah. That's, that's fun. I mean, it's it's intense, I'm sure, because you really want to get it right. But it's not intense. It's it's more fun yeah. and educational. Yeah. It really helps my team develop their palates. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so what have you there's always a there's always a clear winner okay or or two interesting so so what, what can you say like who who has won recently who, what do you who do you use yeah so typically the winner is um either gustaroso from gustiamo they import italian food they're in, in the bronx every product that they sell is phenomenal yeah including their tomatoes um and then the stanislavs alta cucina is it's a tomato that's only only sold wholesale, mm -hmm. but it's a fantastic tomato. It hits all those characteristics. Modesto, California. Yeah. Around there, I guess, the farms around there. Uh, right near Lodi, I think. Lodi, right? okay. I'm, I'm a little, I'm sorry, Californians, bad geography. Um, so you'll like, will you blend them? Or like, how does that work when you have two, ver like two varieties? Basically? Okay, so I never understood why pizzerias have one vat of sauce right and they use it on every pizza <laughs> i think that there's 
so many great tomatoes out there that why not use them all and not necessarily blend them all into one big vat, Mm -hmm. but have three separate containers with three different kinds of tomatoes and use them on different pizzas and use them for their inherent strengths and, and characteristics. Interesting. So you're you're going with two 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 tomatoes, two canned tomatoes. We we have four. Oh, okay. You have four. Nice. Yeah, yeah we have a yellow tomato also that Gustiamo imports. Yeah. Uh, it's from Campania. It is phenomenal. It's so interesting actually that when we taste this yellow tomato, um, everybody thought it was sweeter than the other tomatoes. Interesting. Which yeah, it wouldn't make sense. No. It didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, so. I actually I put the tomato sauce under a, in a a refractometer which oh, cool. measures the bricks yeah. like the actual like sugar the wine content would do yeah exactly and it was substantially lower than all of the other tomatoes. Is it a color thing? No. Is, is is does it read as anything different? It's red. I mean, it's actually a very low acid tomato. Mm. So acid and sweetness balance each each other. Yeah, um, and because it has very little acidity. It, our brains perceive it to be sweeter. Fucking fascinating. It's so interesting. Yeah, and, and so let's move on to the the, the dough. Um, you know, we know that time creates flavor. There's development, right? In time dough. can. Oh, great. Correct me, Dan. It Love can. It. it might not. It might. There might be actually just wait. You're just wasting your time. Yeah. It depends. <laughs> it depends. How Longer is not always better. Love that. Right? Like, so... Case in point, um, Anthony's pizza at Una Pizza is a same-day dough. So he mixes it in the morning and then uses it that night. It's a very short fermentation, but he gets better flavor than any pizza pretty much out there. And dude doesn't run out of dough. I mean, if, he's, yeah. if he only needs a day, he's not running out of dough. No, he's running out of dough. He's running out, yeah. it, it does take a few hours. Okay, okay. You know, it takes the processes, you know, five, six, seven, eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does need time to ferment, but it's not the four day, five day doughs that, that a lot of people are touting as being mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show that longer is not always better. Yeah. It's sometimes just marketing speak. For sure. Cause we, we, as a society, we love age yeah. statements and, and people really just not understanding the process. Right. Um, you know, we can, as pizza makers, we control the rate of fermentation uh, and Anthony's is just moving faster. Mm-hmm. What's yours at right now? Uh, time-wise? Yeah. So we have multiple different recipes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we have a same-day dough, we have an overnight dough, we have a two-day dough, and we have a three-day dough, Okay. depending on our, our needs. Right. So the, and, and they're different recipes, too, so each one is intended to be aged that long. Yes, that's exactly. all. I mean, that's like you're running like a real bread program in your pizzeria. Like, that's true. Oh, we are. Like, that's what I think, I hope our listeners, listener you, are understanding that pizza starts with this bread program. And, like, the best pizzas out there starts with bread. A thousand percent. Pizza's a flat bread with condiments baked onto it. Yeah, totally. Right? You have to understand bread making in order to make great pizza. There's just no other way to do it. We can talk about olive oil at the end, but cheese is the next major component for pizza. Um, what are you thinking? What is your philosophy? And again, the joy of pizza is your book, and you you outline all of these elements in like a really great way. But a little bit of science nerdery, or a lot actually, but also some color and, uh, and and voice. But what about cheese? I again, I like multiple different cheeses. Let's talk about the main one. You know, mozzarella. Yeah, I love fresh mozzarella. Um, I don't love uh, shredded 
uh, low moisture mm-hmm. mozzarella that's on most New York style pizzas. Yeah. Um, I haven't really found a good one that I love. Plus our we're, we are baking in a wood-fired oven, mm-hmm. so our temperature's a little too high for that stuff. Uh, that cheese typically performs better at, at slightly lower temperatures. Yeah. In the bread ovens we were talking about earlier. Yep. Exactly. Um, so I love making our own fresh mozzarella. Nice. I think it's so such an amazing process, uh, one that really needs to be dialed in, and that's one that I'm I'm always trying to dial in a little yeah. bit more just so we can get the the right we want we want control over how our cheese melts mm-hmm. and flows right and if the moisture fat and protein balance within the cheese is is out of balance the cheese won't flow wow yeah but that's a hard to do because you've got you're working with like humidity you're working with like outside factors also with like milk sources i'm sure you use uh, farms and local farms well so we actually buy the curd like most people who make their own fresh mozzarella we don't have the storage facility yeah. you're not you're going from straight milk you're going from exactly curd. right 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 we we would need a 50,000 gallon tank to hold the, the amount of milk that we would need they got some warehouse space in the city i mean you got you got you could probably get something going on i wish yeah yeah, yeah. I so wish. you buy the curd so then you just you and go. we do the the stretching process yeah so tempering the curd cutting the curd i see um and even within that process yeah. there's so many variables and there's so many things that can go wrong and it all does start with the milk and in the summertime this is the second summer in a row that we've had issues with our cheese melting uh, this time of year. So I spoke to the guy that runs the plant uh, last week, mm-hmm. and we were talking about about how the milk changes in the summertime, and they have to take corrective measures on their end to make sure that we get a curd that yeah. we can then make into mozzarella that will melt properly. Wow! And it's really interesting. This this it was a very hot, very hot year. Um, he said climate change is wreaking havoc on farms and um, the cows are just not producing milk the way they would in the winter, spring, or fall. Wow. So the, the milk is, be, like the, the actual, the milk component is is drastically different than like winter milk. Yes. Wow. That's that's really interesting. Well, who's the farmer? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you this buy. Is a, it's a big company. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's not one farmer. I'm sure they're getting from a bunch. But... Is it like like within the New York region or do you like... – Yeah, they're right outside of Albany. Oh, cool. Upstate. Okay. Yeah. They um, said the wildfires this year wreaked havoc also. Yeah, from, from May and June. Yeah, it must have been tough. I mean, all ag was affected by that, man. Um, yeah, so – okay, so that's our, our mozzarella. But like I said, I like having multiple different products. Yeah. Um, we work with a farm in Sussex County, New Jersey, which is all the way up north. Uh, they are raising Jersey cows on their farm. They're milking the cows in the morning, making cheese that afternoon, and we get it the next morning. Amazing. It's incredible. Wow. And so we have, we have different versions of the margarita pizza, and I love doing them side by side because they are so completely different. What do you call them on the menu, these two different styles? Well, we have the Jersey margarita. Yeah, yeah. We're about to start serving the summer margarita, which is different. We have the yellow margarita with those yellow tomatoes from Campania. And then we have our standard margarita. That's like kind of the best in show. You can just do like a margarita tasting at your, at your restaurant. We do. Yeah. <laughs> what a fun, that would be so fun. Yeah. Let's talk about the menu. How does the menu set up? 
Like how how are you doing pies? Um, different ones like specials every day? Are you do you have a standard set? Obviously a menu. Yeah. So our menu is um, we reprint our menus every day, um, which is unique for a pizzeria, but it just makes sense. Yeah. Because you know if corn season starts today, you know I'm not going to start six weeks early with yeah. with corn to yeah. because my summer menu is coming out or anything. Yeah. Um, so most of the menu is static. They're classics. They're not ever coming off the menu unless there's a supply shortage of the very specific products that we use mm-hmm. for those pizzas. It's like the pepperoni, mm-hmm. um, the margaritas. We have a mushroom pizza. Most of the menu is standard, but then we have the seasonals that come and go as the seasons change. Right, right. That must be the fun part about your job. And you're writing a lot of these these recipes. All of them, yeah. Yeah, you're writing all of them. Yeah. Good, okay, good. Yeah. To your recipes. Yeah. I mean, are you- Obviously, are you... We, we do work together collectively yeah. um, as a team. Yeah. What's the restaurant setup like? Are you are you actually, are you working service? Are you are you, are you you making the pizzas yourself? Or do you have a team? Are you like orchestrating it? What, how does that work? Yeah, I'm orchestrating. Yeah. We have a huge team at this point. Um, you know, every night we have seven people making pizza. Takeout and dine-in? Yeah, because we have two wood-fired ovens, so it takes two oven operators, yeah. two people to top the pizzas, two people to stretch the pizzas, and yeah. one person to expedite. Is there like a path as a cook arriving at Rasa who, like, do you start in a certain station and end yeah. at the, how's that work? Yeah, cool. stretching first. Yeah. You got to know how to, how to touch the dough. Hard to do that. I've tried it. It's it hard. is hard. It, and it's it does come more naturally to some people than others, mm-hmm. but ultimately everybody can learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how long it will take and yeah. how much dedication they they put into it. Right. And how strong their hands are and how they don't get tired. Yeah. It gets tired. Uh, you know, we're not so aggressive with our dough yeah. and our dough is kind of kind of loose. Yeah. Uh, there's it's a pretty, pretty high hydration dough. Mm-hmm. So it's we're not like pushing and pushing and yeah. like stretching. Right. Like our dough just flies open and we're super gentle with it. So that's the key is to actually have that lighter touch. Uh so the amount of pressure that your hands exert onto the dough will change based on where the dough is mm. in its life cycle. Interesting. Yes. So you start with stretching and then where do you go? And then we go topping um, yeah. and then baking. The baking is, I want to say it's the hardest. They're all pretty hard, yeah. but baking is, is in my opinion, harder because you're, you're building a fire. Yeah. Managing a fire. And cooking the pizzas at the same time. Yeah. Like fire management and, and keeping the temperatures uh, in balance and at the mm-hmm. at the right temperature, not too high, not too low. That's like 80% of it. Yeah. Cooking the pizza part is it's fast. It's that pretty part, fast. That part's fast. Like, yeah, maintaining the temperature. Do you find yourself up in that up in that position during the day? Do you... I love being on the oven. Yeah. You'll 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 jump in once in a while. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you'll do some pies. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's it's nice to get back in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, yo, whoever's <laughs> whoever's on the oven, I'll tell them to take a, go take five-minute break. Yeah, go, I want to do some of these. That's great. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's just such a, I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. And it's just, it feels so good to be back there. Yeah. I mean, it's a real sense of accomplishment. A lot of people in jobs, you know, they don't, you know, you do a job and it's kind of like, maybe you leave and it's not quite done, but... When you leave 
Raza, by two in the morning when you're done with the shift, it's like, you did a lot that day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels good. You know, my days are definitely long, um, but it doesn't feel like work. Um, you know, I get to make pizza and talk about pizza all day, every day. Yeah. And I think about it on my drive home. I think about it before mm-hmm. bed. You, do, you probably take some vacations around pizza. I do, yeah. I was just in Spain judging the National Spanish Pizza Competition. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a cool—they fly you off for that? Yeah. Oh, nice. What's Super it, what city? Cool. Uh, this was in Madrid. Oh, fun. So what was good there? Was there somebody—did something surprise you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, the jamón was amazing. Yeah. And all of the other food was extraordinary. Yeah. Some of the pizzas were were very good. Yeah. Uh, everybody was Neapolitan-inspired. Mm. Um how much how much American travel do you do for pizza? Are there any cities that excite you? I do a lot, yeah, for sure. Um, I we just did our book tour in uh, California last yeah. in October. Yeah, uh, I love LA so much. Yeah, you know, not only for the pizza, not just for Bianco and, and his stuff there. I mean, he's a new transplant. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, between Apollonia's for a Detroit, I think he's doing better Detroit than anybody I've tasted in the country. It's extraordinary. Even Buddies? I don't know. I've never been. Yeah, yeah I'm kidding. Yeah, Buddies is a micro theme here. So it's, it's my that's my Detroit spot. That's where my family's from. So, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so more about LA. What else do you like? Uh, for pizza? Yeah. Um, uh, Daniele Uditi. I love Pizzana. He's mm-hmm. a good friend. Um, I love uh, Giusta. Yeah. Angelina, but Giusta is my, my real fa- favorite. Yeah. I love that place. And they make good pizza. Their breads are phenomenal. Everything totally. that they do is, I, I can't go to LA and not go there. Really, really good spot. I love it. But you aren't going to expand out there. You're yeah. not going to enter the pizza fr- fray out there. I live in New Jersey. Yeah. You know, I have two kids, yeah. wife. Yeah. We're very happy living in New Jersey. And I always have pipe dreams, of course, about moving to the West Coast. Yeah. I do love it. Yeah, it's nice, especially in like January. Yeah. Um, you have two kids in New Jersey. What about New York? Never. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because I, I I mean you can still be at home middle in in your home with your kids. I know. And still have a place you can have a place, you know, midtown. But my commute would get thirty minutes longer. It's true. It's true. You could always get a pied de terre, get a place in the city. I would love that. But I mean I would never open in New York. It's too hard to do business here. Yeah. Nobody cares. Really unpack that. What do you mean? I just think it's it's a difficult place to do business because whether you're open or closed, nobody cares. Where I am in New Jersey, the community rallies around us. They are so proud yeah. that we're there and it's restaurants are a meeting place for the community. Yeah. Um, we've developed a lot of happy neighbors and yeah. it's just a, a really great community it's jersey city uh we've had rick easton in as well talking yes. about his restaurant there and you've got yours and they, they really rally around you I, i've witnessed this in jersey yeah it's special and the even the further away from manhattan you go the more uh, the more you feel that community yeah, it's it's a great point, Dan, and I appreciate that this restraint. I mean, I feel like you you probably get offers all the time to open in, in many places, and you're not doing it. Yeah, like free restaurants. We'll build everything. Oh yeah, we'll do everything. You just have to operate it. But I have no interest. You just know that that changes everything, especially at Razzo where you're at now. Yeah, and you're just ha- you're you're making money now. I would imagine you're doing okay. Yeah, we're doing okay. Yeah, um, you know, we doubled the size of the restaurant this year, so right. it's going to be a while. To pay that back. Yeah. Um, but we're good. We're busy. And 
I like being there. I like being with my team. I like being with our guests. I like being just being in the space. Yeah, you have a real presence in your dining room. When you're when you're there, you, you we'll meet you. You'll be around. You're, yeah. you're making your presence felt, which I think in your you're answering questions. And do you feel like our, we have this endless love of pizza as a society? Yes. Yeah. And it all starts in childhood, obviously. And the fact that it's it's everywhere. It's fundamentally delicious. Yeah. Um, and people have serious pride around their spots that they that they like to yeah. go to. So let's segue to The Joy of Pizza, your book that you wrote with Katie Parla. Um, it's an interesting dynamic in that you are a very serious restaurateur and chef and, and have this have this pizzeria that's well-regarded, but you also wrote a very serious cookbook about pizza. And I think it's usually either or, to be honest. So I was impressed by that. Uh, and it's a great book. I'm going to link to in the show notes. You should pick it up. Katie Parla, let's talk about her. Well, how, do you, how did you and Katie link up and how was that process? Yeah, so I was consulting on a restaurant opening in Manhattan, um, maybe 2013 or 14. And the chefs flew me over to Italy to eat pizza with them. Mm. So we could just start the dialogue about what they wanted their, proce- their product to be. Um, and when chefs go to Italy, they hang out with Katie Parla. Yeah. She's brilliant. She's funny. Uh, she's she's just so smart. I love hanging out with her. Yeah, it's a, a real treat if you can catch her in Italy. Yeah. Uh, a real treat, yeah. Because she'll tell you the history behind this building right here, but then also, uh, you know, what the best pizza Bianca is in the, in the area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just brilliant. And when I wanted to write a cookbook, I just asked her advice about it. She said, don't do it. It'll, it'll ruin your life. <laughs> Good Katie, like you got the tone down and the words down, right? You know, For sure. You're right, you're right. And she's not wrong in many ways. I mean, I, I think cookbooks are great in so many ways, but you have to be ready and you have to understand the, the burden. Yeah, yeah. And for me, the, the the actual content and the writing process was so much fun. Like we would just have phone calls for an hour a day, every day, and she would say, okay, let's talk about these things. And I would just ramble on about these three topics for the day. Um, and after months and months of doing that, then she started to make make me make sense because yeah. as you can tell, you know, I have the the verbal skills of a six year old. Stop it. No, I think if you're at this far in the podcast, you're you're doing okay. You can talk about <laughs> but you know, I know a chef gets busy and you get a little bit sidetracked. So you gotta like get those those hours have to count. Yeah, and I'm super ADD, so sitting at a computer is not happening for me. That's one of the reasons I love running a restaurant Yeah, because there's so many things going on constantly that I don't have to sit in one spot yep. and just, you know. Yeah, so so Katie and you linked up and you, you wrote this book. And um, really, like, how do you make the endorsement to make pizza at home? Because I feel like there's so many factors that you just outlined that you really, as an expert, you need to be an expert to like get it right. But I think we're in like this Uni generation, and Uni's not a brand sponsor. It just comes to mind that it's making more pizza at home. We have these ovens, and we have. But is it, is it worth it in the end to make pizza at home? Yeah, <laughs> of of course. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. The the uni ovens are great, and there's other brands out there also. But uni's kind of like the yeah the go to brand, the Birkin bag of no, it, yeah. it's expensive, but it's also quite good. Yeah, yeah they're phenomenal. Yeah. Um, they're uni, they're uh, most expensive oven, the Karu sixteen. That's my oven. 
that's what I use at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the best one on the market out of all of the one out of all the ovens under say twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I can get the same quality pizza in that that I do in my home in my uh, restaurant. restaurant. Oven. Yeah, Dang. what an endorsement! But like it's like is it's worth it though? Like let's go through that as a home cook. It's worth tackling pizza. So pizza takes a lot of repetition. Right. Um, I I compare pizza. It's more of a skilled trade than, say, being a cook or just mm-hmm. making a bowl of soup. Um, it's difficult to just follow a recipe. You have to – pizza making is probably 30 different steps yeah. in the process, and you have to understand each step and execute each step at the right time, at the right temperature at, before you move on to the next one. And then you, ha- you have to nail every single step of the process. Otherwise, the pizza is not really that great. Because pizza, like everybody, how many pizzerias are there in the country? So many. And we're all doing the exact same thing. Right. Flour, water, salt, and yeast, tomato sauce, and cheese. Right. Right. But there's infinite variation. Yeah. Maybe a straight pineapple. Yeah. Or maybe not in your pies. No. But, but, <laughs> but like, I mean, you're, you've, you've said, yes, it's worth it, but then you like got 30 steps yeah. to do. So if you are the type of person that likes process. Yeah. Um, and repeating, it's incredible. Yeah, and there's listeners out here who love that shit, like our process, like yeah. fiends. Yeah. yeah, so like I'm, I'm like a an amateur woodworker. Yeah, I love working with wood. Yeah, uh, I you understand the raw materials, which is the wood, and then the techniques for joining two pieces together. That's kind of how pizza mm-hmm. works too. You learn about the raw materials, the flour, water, salt, and yeast. And then you learn the techniques for putting them them together. It, it, well said, Dan. I think there's definitely like ways to link our everyday life to making pizza. Oh my God, pizza is my platform for discovering the world. Oh, that's funny. I like. Yeah, it. it's, it's so it's so interesting how many different subjects from history and society, culture, but yeah. also all of the sciences, you know, from chemistry to biology, agriculture thermodynamics like I never I was not a good student and I never thought I would have to learn about thermodynamics but you have to understand the very basics in order to cook pizza properly and then you layer on the economics piece when you're running a business for sure yeah then you got that whole thing yeah no it's it's, it's I mean doing the simplest foods can be the most difficult task we know that like it's like really hard to perfect like a, a relatively simple thing yes um but and, it's simplicity is what brings people together because everybody loves it so, so it's, it was very attractive to me because I want to connect with a lot of different people. Yeah. And it's just pizza is that way to, to, for, to connect with people. So obvious. Me. Are you going to write another book? I would love to. What are you thinking? What, would, what, what, what draws you to, uh, to writing more books? I know you put a lot into this one. I had so much fun working with Katie. Yeah. And, you know, and getting all of my thoughts out uh, and making discoveries in the process and really dialing in, because I, I had to dial in my process even more in order to write a book about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's not using your restaurant recipes. You have to really figure out how to pare down. Yeah, we used a lot of the restaurant mm-hmm. recipes, but then, you know, scaled them down and refined them a little bit more, which helped the restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you, if you want to make a the corn pizza from Razzo, we have the recipe in there. Yeah. That's, so it helped the restaurant, the actual writing of the book. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's cool. So it actually pared down some of the internal recipes too. Yes. And ah. just refine them. 
It's really cool. I, I, so, what would be the dream butt project? What do you what would you want to work on? Uh, pizza and all the all the periphery. Yeah, you know, you know, all the different breads that I know how to make, all the other products like yogurt and like yogurt. Like, what what does yogurt have to do with pizza? Yeah, well, everything. It's dairy fermentation. It's the beginning of cheese. Yeah. There is a connection there. I get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I get it. I it's, get it. It's one of the most simple forms of 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 fermentation. It's taking taking a, a a scoop of of yogurt with some heirloom cultures and adding it to a glass of milk and letting it sit on your counter. Yeah. All this peripheral products. It's it's yeah. interesting. What's so what's the best thing to drink with pizza? Uh the best thing to drink with pizza is whatever you like to drink. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, in my opinion, it's wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're talking about alcoholic beverages. Like, I guess, like, I think a soda. I like soda with pizza. Personally, I like a fountain soda with pizza. Mm-hmm. A little watered down. Yep. I like a cola. Yeah, I don't I don't like lemon lime or root no. beer. Root I beer, love a root beer. Root beer is great, but not, I don't know, with pizza. Yeah. And wine is tricky. Is it red or white? Cold uh, or not cold? So I am white yeah. all the way. I like a little, a little bit of bubbly some sometimes mm-hmm. in there. So how do you end a pizza meal? So like you've got you've got this pie in front of you, you got like maybe your your Crystal Pepsi or whatever, <laughs> and then and then you you've you're you're full, but you're you need something else. And that's I think that when you're at a pizzeria, you don't know how to end it. Yes, because if they have dessert, they're probably buying the stuff that everybody else is buying. Yeah, it's like some kind of tiramisu in the little plastic tira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we do dessert at the restaurant. It's one of the things we've been focusing on for the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, so we have like three or four different desserts that, you know, I'm not a pastry chef at all, but I really love the process of learning and figuring it out. You know, I'm not just scouring the internet for recipes yeah. and then doing them. That's not my thing. Like, I want to fully and deeply understand the process and the relationship of ingredients like what what is increasing the sugar amount due to the ratio and like yeah. what happens yeah do you do a badino uh we used to we haven't in a while <laughs> i feel badino is like the perfect restaurant dessert yeah it's a good one let me ask you are you still consulting do you still do that kind of work yeah every now and then what do you like to I'll do i'll only take projects that i'm really excited about yeah um i i do have my hands full with running a restaurant yeah. and trying to be a good dad and husband. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I say no to a lot of things, Yeah, um, which I'm okay with. Yeah. But once in a while, you'll hop on that plane, go yeah. somewhere, and teach them how to make pizza. For sure. I love that. I know. I love making pizza outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, I learn so much every time I do it. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I mean, the challenge of using other equipment and different, you know, elevations, all that. There's so many variables. Yeah, yeah. So when I was in Spain two yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I did a pop up, and I I didn't bring anything with me except a tiny little vial of my sourdough starter. Amazing. You got <laughs> that through security. Oh, always. Yeah, <laughs> you know the tricks. I do. Yeah. Um, I didn't bring flour with me. Uh, I didn't bring anything. Wow. So I searched for five days trying to taste my way through all of the mozzarellas, talk to bakers about which flowers they use. That's kind of fun. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan, on This Is Taste, we ask guests about their discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid-fire, fast and furious taste check. Are you ready? I'm ready. How fast do I have to go? I mean, you can go as fast as you want. I mean, I think you you're, you you make a lot of pies. Like, 200 a night? 
300? A little more. Uh, are we doing six? 600 pizzas yeah. a night. Business is good. Uh, yeah. I mean, the volume is there. Yeah. For sure. Well, right. I mean, then you got cost of goods and all that. Home. Yeah, that's that's the part that... That's the part. <laughs> all right. The last non-Ratsa pizza to touch your lips. Uh, I have a local spot that I go to on my way to work. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on your way to work. Yeah, sometimes you, you get hungry. And crush you a get slice? It. Yeah, at it's, least once a what's week. What's it I'm called? Uh, Ray's. Ray's. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course it's Ray's. Yeah, I gotcha. Exactly. I don't know what the... If it's real or real Rays or yeah. famous, original, original, huh. famous. It's at. just Rays. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is it only 35, 36 around there? It is. All right. I know, I know you're yeah. I'm not going to blow up your spot. I'm not going to dox you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> the best AM pastry for coffee? Uh, all the pastries. I want all of ah, them. Ah, really? There's not one? I have a massive sweet tooth. Yeah. And um, I love pastries. Yeah. I no. love cannelays. Yeah, cannelays. There you go. Or anything with pastry cream. Oh, yeah. Soccer. Same. The best dessert, period. Hands down. Ice cream. Flavor? All of them. Okay, fair. Except anything boozy. Yeah, not good. No. Uh, Kahlua? Yeah, not good. Not, not into it. Not into it. But they have like, you know, there's a Tira has like the full boozy. So are you not a big Tira fan? Tiramisu? Yeah. Oh. That to me is a little boozy. Can be. But you're just not into boozy. Ice cream. Very separate thing. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Got it. The best bread? Uh place for the best bread could be that or it could be like the style of bread good question oh so i love any bread that's made with care and you can always taste it yeah um, i love my my favorite bread is at at bread and salt yeah. rick easton's yeah he's just such a brilliant baker he truly and deeply cares about what he does yeah and i love that place yeah jersey city you look him up it's like a good one too you could do ratza and bread and salt yes yeah. The most underappreciated food in Italy? Horse. Oh, yeah. What part of Italy are you finding that in? Uh, a bunch of different parts, but yeah. specifically, I've been to Verona a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that city. Yeah. What, how does horse serve? Is it is it grilled? A few different ways. Yeah. They'll do it grilled. They'll do it braised is my yep. favorite with a little bit of polenta. Yeah, I was in Puglia and I had it. Um, it was grilled um, and it had a little like, salsa verde on it. It's good. It was like lean, you know? Some parts are lean. Yeah, some yeah. parts. The most underappreciated food of New Jersey? Uh, scallops. Ah. Yeah. So, we are one of the biggest scallop producers in the country. That's, and they're phenomenal. That's amazing. Yeah. And like we use that like day boat scallop bullshit, but like this is like truly that, right? Yeah, exactly. What's the season? Uh, fall, winter. Nice. Yeah, is is the big time of year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Love that. Yeah. LBI has, like, the biggest one, the biggest fishery. God, uh, shout out to LBI. I yeah, love it there. It's amazing. It's a great place. It's incredible. Actually, not a lot of pizza there. No. You sadly. know, right? It's, it's, am I, like, sorry, like, I, am I speaking out of school? Like, there isn't, like, a great pizzeria there. I haven't found a good pizza there. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Huh. Mm -hmm. um, your favorite New York City restaurant right now? Uh, Union Square Cafe. Right. Which is... The one on Park Ave. Like the, yeah, the Kind of like the quote-unquote new, but the new, six yeah. years probably. Yeah, well, I mean, the chef is new. Chef Lena. Oh, okay. She is incredible. Great to know. I think Union Square Cafe is in its prime right now, even after being open since, what, 86, yeah. maybe? And new location, many years. Dan Richer, that is a tip. Yeah. I have not been there in years. It is so good. Great to know. Your favorite cookbook of all time? That's a tough question. Um... 
The Bread Builders. Um, it's a book about masonry ovens and hearth loaves. Whoa, sick. So this is actually like the building of brick ovens. Yeah. So they, they talk a lot about building, but just about how how they operate and how to how to best utilize them. Yeah. And then it talks about naturally leavened bread. How to also. make the breads in yeah. it. Um, have Al- you, have Alan you Scott. built an oven? I have not built an oven. I think it's important to let professionals yeah. do the professional work. Yeah. Um, it Again, so many different variables. Uh, and the oven determines the style of pizza. Yeah. And there's probably like a tool or five that they only have to make those ovens. And a lot of technique. And yeah. My my arms are too skinny for all that lifting, though. Yeah, there's some yeah. heavy, you know, muscly guys <laughs> doing that stuff. Um, your favorite recent cookbook discovery? I love Katie's new book, yeah. Food of the Italian Islands. I think it's incredible. Yep. I love Rick's. I We talked about both these people already, yeah. so these are bad examples. No, they're but great. I think they're both great books. I love show. Rick's book. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it definitely, you got to sit down and read that book because they're, and him and, uh, you know, Melissa together wrote a really special book that has been a little quiet, I'm going to say. I wish more people would read it. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. It's so informative. Yeah. And it just gets at the soul of of bread in general. Yeah, Melissa McCart and Rick Easton, How to Eat Bread. Is that right? Bread and How to Eat It. Bread and How to Eat It. Yep, that's it. Um, a couple more. A food you could obsess about that's not pizza. Uh, chicken soup. Okay. Or any bird broth. Oh, yeah. So just fowl in general. Fowl. The foulest broths of the, of the land. Yeah. Yeah. I crave them. Really? Yeah, it's weird. No, like it's I not Like I can weird. drink quart after quart after quart. Um, are you, do you like work, are you a workout guy? Do you do, do you do them like post-workouts and stuff? No, I don't work out. No? Is it just I'm on like the pizza, pizza workout. Pizza workout. Are you, you stress diet. You just hit the, hit the bird broth and. Yeah. There's something I need about it. Um, I, I just, I crave it. I don't know if it's the saltiness or just the complexity and flavor. The mirepoix. Do you like that? Like oh, car- yeah. the carroty, like oniony and then with the bird stock. Yeah. I like the very rich broths. So the doubles. Yes, triples. The triples. Have you had samgitong, the Korean-style chicken broth? No. Oh, wow. You should try it. It's up in Jersey. There's plenty of places. Really? So, yeah, it's like it's a young uh, chicken stuffed with glutinous rice with ginseng and jujubes and some onions or scallions. Ah, uh, yes, please. Um, yeah, and like a very light broth, but you get to, you know, have the rice and the jujubes. Cool. It makes you, like, excited, you know? Um, last question. Your favorite sandwich? Uh, you know, I eat a lot of sandwiches cause I'm always on the go. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I really have a favorite, maybe a grilled cheese. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean, yeah, like I'm questioning you cause I fully agree now. Okay, What's your favorite sandwich? Um, banh mi. Oh, I love banh mi. We had a draft. I, it was, yeah, banh mi is number one for me, but. That's like the perfect sandwich. It's yes. I, I, when it's done right and yeah. I've had, I've had some pretty okay ones, but. Yeah, I think, but but back to the grilled cheese. What do you, what are you thinking? Like, is it thick? Is it thin? Is it childhood memories? It it's childhood. Tea? Yeah, that's yeah. like if I'm having a bad day, I'll go to the diner and get a a milkshake and a grilled cheese, maybe a bowl of chicken soup too. <laughs> New Jersey diners, the best. Like, like like Brooklyn diners, New York diners, nothing compares to Jersey diners. They're so good. Yeah, it's a special type of restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing when you go to a good one. I love it so much. Dan Richard, thank you so much for joining This Is Taste. Thanks for having me. 
This Is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening.